Welcome to the IVF Before and After podcast, where we will talk about the emotional roller coaster journey we are about to embark on. Tune in to a series of podcasts on stories and tips to help you feel you are not alone on your fertility or parenting journey. We will openly discuss success and failure. We will attempt to pick you up when you are down and celebrate when your head's in the clouds. Kay Dempsey is your host. You can't wait to get started finding your way through IVF and parenting journey. Good morning. I always seem to do my podcast in the morning. It seems to be much, much, much better for me because I do a lot of reading at night. And there was an article I was reading about sleep apnea in children. And it was saying that there's 10 surprising signs of sleep apnea in children. So what do we need to watch out for? Sleepwalking, bedwetting, snoring and other signs. This was by Brandon Peters. And he was saying that when you think of sleep apnea, you may not think of a child as the most typical person to have the condition. He was saying actually, in fact, you may not think of children as potential sufferers of sleep apnea at all. I certainly didn't. However, snoring and sleep apnea are increasingly common conditions that can even affect children. And this condition may have significant consequences on their growth and behaviour. Considering that the 10 surprising signs of sleep apnea as it occurs in children. So number one is sleepwalking. How many of our children sleepwalk? Mine don't at the moment, but they do turn up in a sleepy mode at the side of my bed, unforgivable hours in the morning. Brandon Peters was saying that sleepwalking may affect about 20 to 30% of children, at least ones between the ages of 3 and 10. They say it peaks around the age of 5 and becomes less frequent through adolescence. They say that sleepwalking may be associated with confusional arousal. When this occurs, the child seems to awaken but remains in a subconscious confused state and these episodes most often occur in the first third of the night often out of slow wave sleep what they call it although that the cause of the sleepwalking may not always be apparent it seems that it may sometimes occur in a consequence of sleep apnea which can lead to a brief awakenings to resume breathing and this fragmentation of the sleep may lead to a state of consciousness that can make it sleepwalking more likely. But they also say that, I presume this may be more for adults, restless leg syndrome and periodic limb movement disorders can also provoke this behaviour. Teeth grinding, well, I, I certainly know that I do that for myself and I'm an adult, well, I think I'm an adult. There is something disturbing about hearing someone grind their teeth It may send a shiver down your spine, but it can be a sign of sleep apnea. Teeth grinding, sorry, may actually occur in... So the sleep apnea frequently occurs when the soft tissue, which is your tonsils, your adenoids, the soft palate and the tongue, which are all at the back of the throat, block the airway. What happens is you're clenching and you're gnashing or you're grinding your teeth maybe a way that the body subconsciously is maintaining an open airway. So it tightens the muscles in the jaw, the tongue and to the lesser extent along the airway. And this may prevent the collapse or the blockage of the airway. 
that will often characterise the sleep apnea. If this intermittently increased the muscle tone, it is seen in combination with breathing events on a sleep study. Through the mouth guards may help prevent the damage to the teeth. Um, treating the cause is preferred. I'm not quite sure about children sleeping with a mouth guard, I have to say. It's, I think that'd be a bit, bit distressing. I don't think I'd get any sleep. The third, three out of ten, is bedwetting. These children often wet the bed at night, but it is considered to be a problem if it occurs twice per week beyond the age of five. You see, it typically affects boys more than it does girls and it can be more present in three to three percent of children aged between the age of four to 12. If it occurs during slow wave sleep when there is a failure to awaken when the bladder is full, but also you have to think about there has there also may be due to any infections, the child may be in stress. Saying caffeine, Unless you're giving your, I presume that's through caffeinated drinks like cokes, etc. Um, but it also can be other medical um, conditions. But they're saying that the bed waiting can be a sign of sleep apnea. But fortunately, the the bed waiting due to sleep apnea treatment will often help it go away. Number four is sweating. Unleash the feverish in the setting of an illness. It is not normally not normal for children to regularly wake up drenched in sweat. If their pyjamas, sheets or blankets are soaked though, this may be evidence that your child is struggling to breathe during their sleep. And this can be similar to intense aerobic exercise as it's hard workout when the rest should be up, being obtained. So the sleep apnea here is, it's been associated with the decrease in the oxygen levels but this huge spikes in the blood pressure and the heart rate and it's given that burst of stress hormone. So when this occurs frequently in children, the sleep apnea, excessive sweating may occur and you may find evidence of the struggle in the morning. The child who has number five is the restless sleeper. Sometimes in families it can be a family joke how restless a little sleeper can be. Unfortunately, extremely restless sleep can, in a child, may be another sign of the struggles during the night when their breathing becomes difficult, as it does in sleep apnea. And this may manifest in excessive movements in sleep. So if you wake up in the morning and your child's covers are twisted into a ball at the base of the bed or on the floor in the morning, this can be a sign of a distress. Sleep apnea may also manifest in unusual sleep positions. Your child may frequently switch and switch sleep positions and attempt to find a way to sleep and breathe simultaneously. I presume that's like ourselves when we've got a cold or flu type of system and we're really get all the sinus. We kind of move around to try and get that position of our head and our airflow because we're adults, we can accept and we can understand where why our body isn't sleeping. Also, the children may be found upside down in bed or parallel to the headboard. They even they may even prop themselves up in unusual ways to to splint the airway open open, sorry. 
So moreover, restless sleep is not often not of optimal quality and it's likely to suggest that the, the need for the proper evaluation because a child then going to nursery or school must be so tired that they're not getting that good solid calm sleep to help with them control their mind control their breathing help with their body to grow so number six is snoring we've always got somebody in the house that snores well, my daughter snores because of her adenoids. And as a rule of thumb, they say that children should never chronically snore. Certainly, um, on a, an occasional snore may occur in the context of an upper respiratory infection like a cold. But if it occurs otherwise, then they're saying that yes, there is a problem. So chronic snoring is a sign of an abnormal flow of air through the upper airway that extends from the nose and the mouth to the lungs. It is turbulence in the passage that produces the sound and it may occur due to allergies which is enlarged tonsils or adenoids and other problems that can be fixed as long as you can get into the medical NHS system and your child can be treated. But it takes years. I'm still on the waiting list with my little girl. So again, snoring often walks hand in hand with the sleep apnea. And if your child snores, it's important to look for sleep apnea too. So remember that the chronic snoring is a, a, in a child is a red flag that a child needs to be evaluated to find and correct the cause. Number seven is growth problems. So every time you're, you bring your child to the paediatrician, weight and height are always measured the recording often graphed onto a page called a growth curve. I think we've all got those little red books that they do it. So this curve shows the percentiles of those measures, making comparisons to a larger population based on an age and their sex. For example, a tall and thin child may be on the 90th percentile for height and a 40th percentile for weight. It is believed that these P-program characteristics are genetically based, inherited from mum and dad, and given proper nutrition and general health, these percentiles often remain stable throughout their development. However, when a child falls off the growth curve, this may be a sign of, of, of a trouble, that it often represents difficulty feeding in infants, but it may also occur due to sleep apnea in older children. So keep checking these curves. So a slow wave sleep often mentioned and quite important in children is when growth hormone is released. This aids in the normal growth and development. When this sleep is disrupted, as occurs in sleep apnea, less growth hormone is released as a result. Children do not reach their full potential and end up being shorter than they would otherwise. Fortunately, treatment of sleep apnea can be highly effective to reverse this loss and children will often rejoin their prior growth trajectory on the graph. So I think I'm going to have a wee look at my wee red book just to have a wee look and see where the twins are on it. I'm more than sure they were happy with them. Number eight, naps. Does your child still nap during the day? So they're saying that at some point it is normal for children to take to stop to stop taking their naps 
If they don't, this could suggest a problem with the quality or quality of the sleep that they are getting. Up to six months of age, infants often take two to three daytime naps, which can last from 30 minutes to two hours each time. Between the ages of six and 12 months of age, babies usually only take two naps a day and they can be anywhere from 20 minutes to a few hours. So by the time the children start school, naps tend to go away. If they don't, or if they creep back in, this could be the sign of sleep apnea. It's very, very unusual for older children to require naps during the day, and excessive daytime sleepiness among this group requires further evaluation. Now I would say probably if that's happening at school, they would highlight it to you straight away and let you know because obviously they're not going to get their education, etc. Um, I think we probably, if they went to nursery, we would have recognised that as well because I certainly know that my wee boy sleeps fine during the night but he does like his wee nap during the day as well but it's became less and less and at nursery now it's said no, you don't have a nap. So number nine is DHD no, ADHD, sorry, it's ADHD, which is Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. It is a fairly common diagnosis in children and sleep apnea may be one of the more common contributing causes of the condition. Can children with ADHD experience difficulty paying attention, their hyperactive behaviours, their forgetfulness, their poor impulse control on, or their opposite and they're easily distracted. This may affect their school performance. Interesting, children with sleep problems had a, have a paradoxical response. Rather than them being sleepy like adults, they often instead are hyperactive and this may help them to stay awake. So the problems related to concentration and attention are common manifestations of the sub-sleep. Therefore, symptoms suggesting of ADHD should also prompt a careful sleep assessment. So that's really interesting because a lot of people that I know, their children are ADHD, but they don't have every single category. So maybe it would be something to look at if your child has been assessed and they're saying that they're ADHD but maybe you don't feel that they are completely because they've not got all the other characteristics then please do look at the relationship between ADHD and sleep investigate it for yourself so number 10 last but not least is the mouth breathing finally mouth breathing may be a sign of the existence or a risk of developing sleep apnea in children. Now, my little girl can't only sleep through her um, breathe through her mouth at all. She, that's all she can because of her adenoids. So humans are obligated nasal breathers, meaning that we are meant to breathe through our nose. If the nose is chronically obstructed due to allergies or a deviated nasal sputum or mouth breathing may result. By breathing through the mouth, the muscles of the jaw are in a relaxed position. This leads to an elongation of the face over time. And it can also contribute to weakness in the tongue and other muscles of the, the mouth and the throat. I didn't know that. That's something I'll have to speak with my speech therapist about. I, was really, I didn't know that. 
So I wonder what exercises they can do. Now that's something I'll follow up on this because I didn't know that and I, my little girl is a mouth breather. Um, so as a result, snoring again and the sleep apnea may be more likely occurring in mouth breathers. So if you're obviously, if you are at all concerned that your child may have surprising signs or suggestors of sleep apnea, the the article I was reading um, in the health article was was stating that you should speak with your paediatrician. So I would speak with your GP or your health visitor and maybe if it's appropriate, a referral to a sleep specialist may be arranged to evaluate these concerns and ensure that the best sleep and quality of life can be obtained. It all seems very, very interesting because I quite a few of the items that I've been reading out there with this article, um, I just didn't know about, you know, especially with the, the muscles and the tongue, etc. So obviously what they're saying, the impacts of sleep apnea in children so they're saying that the long-term effects of this can include cognitive, behavioural and psychological or psychosocial, psychosocial, psychosocial problems, as well as the growth delays and impacts on cardiovascular health. But they're saying that children with untreated sleep apnea may perform poorly on standardised tests of mental development, this was in a school-based study that they did in India where children with sleep apnea were found to perform significantly less well in academic subjects with their other peers. They also um, would be that they would have lower scores or learning and memory metrics. And again, they're seeing that there's the hyperactivity and other behavioural problems. So, like an adult, we become sleepy, whereas children who are sleep deprived, they become the hyperactive, they do the totally opposite to try and keep themselves awake. And then they're saying that this is contributing to social behaviour and can contribute to anxiety and depression. Now, as I say, these are just information that I've read and it's... There's also been a study in the Journal of Thoracic Disease can also showed that children with untreated apnea were more likely to exhibit poor social and communication skills and have difficulty regulating their behaviours. And sleep sleepiness during the day. So if a child is not getting enough sleep at night, it could show signs of excessive sleepiness during the day, obviously, because they were tired. Babies and children need different amounts of sleep based on their age and at their stage of their life. But if you noticed your children napping longer or more frequently than usual and they're getting to seem tired, then it's normally genetic. the energetic apnea. So I have to say, as an adult, I think I've got sleep apnea at the present moment because I've got two young kids and I just really don't get to sleep. Just really just briefly going through this article for you is because there is lots and lots of it. So I think we have to look at all the allergies that they could have. Now, the things that you could put in place is um, humidifiers, etc. so that you're clearing the air all the time. Um, nasal drops as well to help so that they can actually get some, some breathing um, through their airways. Um, 
I do a wee game with my daughter and it's a, a straw and cotton wool and she's to blow it blow it up and down with her, her mouth all the time. It's just little different things that you can try. Blowing up balloons. There's a, I bought it for her. Um, it's very hard. Um, it's an immune instrument. Um, it's white. It's very solid. And she places it at, at, at her nose and it's attached to a balloon, a latex balloon. And she's to try and breathe or breathe from her nose into the balloon and expand it. It's very, very hard, even for an adult who can breathe through their nose. It is exceptionally, exceptionally hard. You're lucky if you can just get it to move for a little bit, like a wee wave type of thing from it. It is exceptionally hard. So how a child can do this, it's it's difficult. I think it's just obviously something that we need to think of. I've always really thought of sleep apnea for adults only, especially for older, um, older males, um, because of the snoring. Um, but it's obviously it's not, um, and children have this too. So I hope that's been of interest to you. And it's all been about sleep apnea. Has does your child have sleep apnea? What's the characteristics that they have had? Have they got anything out of the 1 to 10? Or have they got all of them? What's the solution been? Had you had been referred to your local hospital for investigations? What was those investigations? And what was the treatment they received? Has it reversed? Is your child now sleeping? Have you checked that growth chart? I'm away to check mine just to see where they are on the percentile and the weight percentile, just to see. Um, I might actually do their weight and their, their height tonight just to see what it is. Do it, maybe we'll try it and do it every six months um, or every quarter. Don't know. Have a wee look and see if there's a big difference because I've noticed that they have had a big stretch again. So it might be interesting to do that wee um, market on it myself just to have a wee see. Um, so hopefully that information that I've got from you, I thought it was really interesting because of the sleep apnea in children was interesting um, if I find any more information um, I will get back to you and I hope to speak to you soon so please remember you can follow me on the IVF before and after podcast or you can go over to my blog of the same name or onto the Facebook page and give it a like and start commenting I would really appreciate it it doesn't always mean that you have to have had IVF. You can be listening to this information and think, oh my God, I didn't really realise that. And could comment as well. Um, I really appreciate it. So take care, everyone. And bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to IVF Before and After on iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review. Head over to the Facebook community page, IVF Before and After, or to the website, www.ivfbeforeandafter.com for fantastic free stuff.